In the year leading up to the 2020 election, we're counting down the biggest scandals in American political history. This is number 13, The Extramarital Affair of John Edwards. In July of 2008, former Senator John Edwards was happily ensconced in the Beverly Hilton. He'd spent the night there canoodling with his mistress. Despite whispered rumors of infidelity, the married two-time presidential candidate had gotten away with his affair for more than two years. Earlier in the year, Edwards had dropped out of the race for president. It was a rare setback for the boyish politician and fierce defender of underdogs. But he was currently on the short list to be presumptive presidential nominee Barack Obama's running mate, and vice president was a hell of a consolation prize. It was after 2.30 in the morning when he tried to slip out of the hotel unnoticed. He rode the elevator down to the hotel basement, where he was stunned to find reporters from the National Enquirer. Edwards immediately ran up the stairs to escape them, but he was spotted by a photographer. With no place to turn, Edwards ducked into a nearby restroom. A dead end. No way out staked out by reporters outside the door and security investigating the commotion. Edwards was trapped. And by the time these photos hit the papers, the rising politician would be known as the two-faced family man who cheated on his dying wife. Welcome to Political Scandals, a ParCast original. I'm Richard. And I'm Kate. You can find all episodes of Political Scandals and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Political Scandals for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Political Scandals in the search bar. Today, we're talking about John Edwards, the 2008 presidential candidate and 2004 vice presidential nominee, had everything a successful politician could want. Youthful good looks folksy charm, a populist message, and an unshakable optimism. But he also had a secret extramarital affair and an illegitimate child, both of which destroyed his political career and his personal reputation. We'll dive into the story right after this. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know, Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In 1997, one year after the death of his 16-year-old son, Wade, 
John Edwards decided to put his lucrative law career on hold and run for political office. Just a few months before he died, Wade had written a school essay called Fancy Clothes and Overalls about the importance of voting. Edwards told his law partner, David Kirby, I just can't let his death go without some good coming out of it. At age 44, Edwards had never run for political office or even voted regularly. Yet he poured all his famous tenacity and $6 million of his own money into his campaign to unseat the GOP incumbent, Senator Locke Faircloth, in the Republican-dominated state of North Carolina. When his opponent tried to characterize Edwards' background as a political novice and money-chasing lawyer, Edwards embraced his outsider status. He also clarified whose money he was chasing and on behalf of whom. The recompense came from greedy corporations and reckless doctors, and it went to children who were maimed and workers suffering devastating injury and death. He was a champion of the poor and disenfranchised. It didn't hurt that among Edwards' local volunteers were family members of plaintiffs he'd battled for in court. Locals, even Republicans, who believed in him. The boyish Democrats' quest to defeat the incumbent Republican was just another David versus Goliath undertaking. And he won handily. In today's political climate, first-time senators who'd never served in elected office have been attractive to voters dissatisfied with the government. And once he was in office, Edwards' star rose quickly in Washington. He served on the Senate Intelligence Committee and the Senate Judiciary Committee and was a member of the New Democrat Coalition. In 2000, People magazine anointed him sexiest politician. In just his second year in the Senate, he found himself on the very short list for presidential nominee Al Gore's running mate, although Joe Lieberman would ultimately get the nod. In 2004, Edwards launched his own bid for president and was ultimately chosen as John Kerry's running mate. After their loss to George W. Bush, he could have returned to the Senate as Kerry did. Instead, he chose to walk away with good reason. The day after his concession speech, Edwards announced that his wife Elizabeth had been diagnosed with breast cancer. It was yet another blow to a couple that hadn't fully recovered from the death of their son. Even more terrible, Elizabeth was a young mother again. In the wake of Wade's death, she and John had decided to try for more children. After undergoing fertility treatments, Elizabeth gave birth to a daughter, Emma Claire, and a son, Jack. Those babies were now six and four and facing the possible loss of their mother. Despite his leaving the Senate, John and Elizabeth remained politically engaged. In 2005, they started a podcast together. They liked the idea of connecting personally with the public to have their voices more widely heard. It was a freewheeling effort, musing on topics as diverse as the NCAA basketball tournament and Dairy Queen blizzards and Elizabeth's surgery just 10 days past. Edwards spent that summer visiting homeless shelters and speaking on a variety of social issues, especially poverty and income inequality, which is why it surprised many when in October of 2005, Edwards joined Fortress Investment Group, a Wall Street firm, as a part-time advisor and consultant at an annual salary of $500,000. 
Edwards would later be criticized for this association after it was revealed that one of the firm's subsidiaries made a fortune selling subprime loans to high-risk buyers. Many of those were New Orleans homeowners foreclosed on after Hurricane Katrina. Edwards certainly didn't need the job either. By any measure, he was thriving. Senate disclosure forms put Edwards' wealth between $12 and $30 million. They'd recently moved into a $3.8 million home in Georgetown. It was likely the visibility and the clout, the power that appealed to his ego and ambition. This was the duality of John Edwards, the Southern gentleman who could eviscerate courtroom opponents, champion of the poor who toiled for a Wall Street investment firm, devoted family man and doting husband to a wife stricken with cancer, and a man about to betray his marriage. On February 21, 2006, Edwards was leaving a lunch at the Regency Hotel when he locked eyes with Riel Hunter. Riel Hunter was born Lisa Jo Druck on March 20, 1964, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her wealthy parents owned a farm where they raised show horses. Her life was the stuff of soapy fiction. Her father had been implicated in a scheme to electrocute her prized show horse for insurance money. Lisa Joe was the basis for a character immortalized in the 1980s best-selling novel Bright Lights, Big City. She acted in films starring Goldie Hawn and Denzel Washington before settling into domestic life. In 1991, she married lawyer Kip Hunter and relocated to Beverly Hills, California, changing her name to Riel Hunter. They divorced in 1999. Hunter was 41 when she met Edwards, then 52, outside the Regency. She was immediately smitten, saying, I can't believe that's John Edwards. He's so hot. In a 2010 interview in GQ magazine, Hunter said upon meeting Edwards, she told him, I can help you. Although he hadn't yet officially announced his intention to run again, it was expected. And with her Hollywood background, Hunter believed she could help present him to the electorate. Edwards, according to Hunter, replied, Yes, I want your help. I need your help. That summer... Edwards would hire her to produce a series of web videos promoting the inspiring politics of John Edwards. But at the time of their February meeting, she didn't have a production company or experience producing political campaign documentaries. What she had was desire. And so did Edwards. She met him at his room at the Regency that night, and they slept together. It was the beginning of a long affair that would leave both their reputations in shambles. Coming up, presidential hopes and dashed dreams. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Hi, it's Richard. Can't get enough history, politics, or true crime? Well then, do I have a new Spotify original from Parcast for you. It's called Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers. 
and it uncovers the most damning details surrounding the world's most high-profile leaders. Every Tuesday through the 2020 election, host Ashley Flowers shines a light on the darker side of the American presidency. If you're a fan of our podcast, Political Scandals, you'll love what Very Presidential has lined up. From torrid love affairs and contemptible corruption to shocking cover-ups and even murder, Ashley will expose the personal and professional controversies you may never knew existed. You'll hear some wildly true stories about presidents such as Richard Nixon, George Washington, Andrew Jackson, JFK, and more. Family drama, personal vices, dirty secrets, these presidents may have run, but they most certainly can't hide. Follow Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. John Edwards had risen from humble beginnings to great wealth, a Senate seat, and presidential aspirations. After a failed vice presidential bid, he quit the Senate to be with his wife during her bout with cancer while continuing to champion the causes of poverty, homelessness, education, racial inequality, and other underdog ideals. He also accepted a part-time consultancy with a Wall Street firm and started sleeping with one of his campaign staffers. Edwards was a coin with two sides and a man with two faces. In 2006, Edwards was among eight major candidates formally filing to run for the Democratic nomination. Those candidates ranged from Gandhi Peace Award winner Dennis Kucinich to Hillary Rodham Clinton, future nominee Joe Biden, and the senator from Illinois, Barack Obama. In July of 2006, Hunter formed a production company, Midline Groove Productions, based in New Jersey. Just days later, she signed a six-month, $100,000 contract with the Edwards campaign to produce a series of short videos. As their affair continued, Hunter became a familiar face on the campaign trail, chronicling Edwards' journey. She even interviewed Edwards' parents and children. A key Edwards aide, Andrew Young, became her close confidant. Young had met Edwards at a 1998 lawyers' convention in South Carolina. Like Hunter, he too was smitten. Although a decade his junior, Young was also a trial lawyer from the Carolinas and had once been captain of his North Carolina high school football team. He and Edwards hit it off immediately. Young began by working for Edwards' Senate campaign in 1998, and by 2008, he was a top aide for his run for the Democratic nomination. By all accounts, Young was devoted to Edwards. He was willing to do anything for him. Edwards would soon put him to the test. One year out from the Iowa caucus, Clinton, Obama, and Edwards were front runners and would remain so throughout 2007. But Edwards had to fight on multiple fronts. First of all, Elizabeth had become aware of his affair. She became suspicious after seeing Hunter at a campaign event in December of 2006, and her suspicions were further aroused by her husband's furtive phone calls. One night, she picked up his phone and dialed the last number called. To her surprise, Hunter answered, Hey, baby. Elizabeth hung up and confronted Edwards. Edwards confessed, sort of. 
He admitted his infidelity, but claimed it was a one-night stand. Hunter's contract was quietly terminated, but the affair continued. In March of 2007, Edwards announced that Elizabeth's cancer had returned and spread. They called it no longer curable, but completely treatable. Edwards was resolute. He was staying in the race with Elizabeth's full support. Edwards still wasn't ready to break off his relationship with Hunter, but he couldn't risk having her on the campaign trail either. It was up to Young to make things right. Starting in May of 2007, Young would make monthly deposits of five to $6,000 to Hunter's bank account. He told her to use it to travel to see Edwards or whatever else she needed. Hunter knew the money wasn't coming from Edwards directly. It couldn't be. That would have been too risky. The money was coming from two diehard Edwards supporters, heiress Bunny Mellon and Texas trial lawyer and Democratic fundraiser Fred Barron. Barron was the finance chair of Edwards' 2004 and 2008 presidential campaigns. Bunny Mellon, a vigorous 98-year-old widow, possessed a staggering fortune, estimated at close to half a billion dollars. According to Hunter, Young insisted the money-changing hands was on the up-and-up, a technicality that would later be decided in a court of law. In July, while Edwards' aide was funneling hush money to his mistress, he and his wife celebrated their 30th anniversary. They renewed their wedding vows and were featured on Good Morning America and in People magazine. Hunter later recalled that moment in their relationship as challenging for all the obvious reasons, but also because she was pregnant with Edward's child. No one was more surprised than Hunter. She'd never been pregnant, and at 43 years old, she didn't believe it was even possible. When she told Edwards, Hunter said he was gracious but wasn't happy about the timing. He was married and running for president. In August, a Washington Post-ABC News poll of Iowa voters had Clinton, Obama, and Edwards in a virtual tie for the state caucus. But Edwards was about to stumble. In September, the National Enquirer tracked Hunter, now obviously pregnant, to New Jersey, where she was staying with a friend. At Edwards' request, Young moved Hunter down to North Carolina, where Young signed a one-year, $2,900 per month lease on a rental house. Less than two weeks later, on October 10, 2007, the National Enquirer broke the story of Edwards' affair with an unnamed campaign worker. Facing reporters the next day, Edwards categorically denied it, declaring, The story is false. It's completely untrue. Ridiculous. Few other legitimate news organizations followed up the story, and it was given scant credence. In fact, just a week later, Ladies Home Journal published a survey on the happiest married presidential candidate couples, with John and Elizabeth Edwards topping the poll. But in December... The Inquirer doubled down on its claim. The unnamed campaign worker was Riel Hunter, and she was pregnant. That's when Andrew Young demonstrated that he was, in fact, willing to do anything for Edwards. Incredibly, he publicly claimed to be the unborn child's father, and Hunter agreed. He quit his $90,000-a-year job working for the campaign and moved across the country with Hunter, along with his wife, Sherry. 
One week later, the Inquirer published a photo of a pregnant hunter and again alleged paternity by Edwards. Almost immediately, lawyers representing Hunter and Young issued statements independently. Hunter's New York attorney insisting that his client was not carrying Mr. Edwards' child, and Young's Washington lawyer declaring that Young was the unborn baby's father. These statements issued independently seemed to exonerate Edwards. Edwards' presidential campaign continued uninterrupted. In January of 2008, the Youngs and Hunter, having flown on Fred Barron's private jet, watched the Iowa results from Barron's home in Aspen. In a stunning upset, Barack Obama won the Iowa caucus, with Edwards finishing a strong second. Edwards had a very real chance to be president. He didn't seem to care that, if nominated, his infidelity could become a front-page scandal and hand the White House to a Republican rival. Edwards wanted what he wanted, and he was willing to risk anything for it. Two days later, at a televised debate from St. Anselm College, the two male candidates presented a united front against Hillary Clinton. Edwards insisted that only he and Obama offered real change, while Clinton represented the status quo. She defended her record, and they struck back. The only other candidate on the stage, Governor Bill Richardson of New Mexico, declared, I've been in hostage negotiations that are a lot more civil than this. Hillary eked out a narrow popular vote victory over Obama in New Hampshire, while Edwards finished third. He finished an even more distant third in Nevada, with less than 4% of the vote, earning no delegates. Edwards needed a strong showing in South Carolina, where he was born, and had won easily in 2004. After a strong debate in Myrtle Beach, his poll numbers rose, and so did contributions to his campaign. Unfortunately for Edwards, those hopeful signs did not translate into votes. He finished a distant third again. He was done. Four days later, he dropped out of the race, He'd never seek elected office again. Just one month later, on February 27, 2008, his mistress, Riel Hunter, gave birth to Francis Quinn Hunter in Santa Barbara, California. The birth certificate did not name the father. In March, Edward secretly visited Hunter and his new daughter at the Beverly Hilton in Los Angeles. Now that he was no longer running for president, interest in the affair began to wane. But things turned around for him in June when Hillary Clinton suspended her campaign. That made Senator Obama the presumptive Democratic candidate for president, and Edwards was on a very short list of potential running mates. Most national polls pegged him as the favorite to be vice president. According to Andrew Young, that's also when Hunter moved out of their home. She'd found another house in Santa Barbara, paid for by Fred Barron. Barron was now supporting Hunter directly, no longer funneling money through Young. Hunter's living expenses had been covered by Fred Barron and Bunny Mellon, and part of that had trickled down to Young, until now. Concerned about his own future, Young forced a meeting with Edwards, which quickly became confrontational. Young had done everything Edwards had asked of him and had nothing to show for it. To placate him, Edwards promised him a job at a new foundation he hoped to launch, 
to be funded by Bunny Mellon. Young was no longer certain he could count on Edwards to come through for him, but he had a card to play. After Hunter moved out, Young found a box left behind that included raw interview footage from her campaign videos, and more importantly, a sex tape. Coming up, the scandal explodes while a trail of hush money leads to a federal investigation. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Now back to the story. Democratic candidate John Edwards had managed to overcome allegations of an extramarital affair in his quest for the presidency. Ultimately, it wouldn't matter. Weak finishes in a string of primaries forced him to drop out of the race. But he found himself back in the glare of the political spotlight as a possible running mate for the presumptive nominee, Barack Obama. In July, Edwards visited Hunter again at the Beverly Hilton. Once again, the National Enquirer caught Edwards and Hunter together, adding for emphasis, while his wife Elizabeth continues to battle cancer. On a tip, the tabloid had staked out the hotel and caught Edwards trying to slip out unnoticed in the early hours of morning. Trapped between reporters and a photographer, he took refuge in the lobby's men's room. The commotion attracted security, and since Edwards was not a registered guest, he was escorted from the premises while Inquirer reporters were held at bay. This was, according to Hunter, the end of the affair. It changed everything, she later told GQ, and my stint as a mistress ended. Edward's life was unraveling even more swiftly than it had once ascended. His affair was over, his wife was dying, and his political career hung in the balance. He did what he'd done so often in recent years, call in his fixers to try to make things right. He called Andrew Young, by then no longer officially with the campaign, but still firmly in Edwards' thrall. Edwards was crying, according to Young, and asked him, with the help of attorney Fred Barron, to arrange for a fake paternity test confirming Young's parentage. Barron, being treated for cancer at the time, refused, allegedly saying it was illegal and ridiculous. That left Edwards out of alibis when on July 29th, the National Enquirer published a story alleging that Riel Hunter was paid as part of 
an elaborate cover-up orchestrated by the former presidential contender. A week later, the Inquirer followed up by publishing a grainy spy photo of Edwards holding a baby, allegedly taken at the Beverly Hilton. On August 8th, Edwards agreed to an interview with ABC News' Bob Woodruff, where he admitted to the affair but denied paternity of Hunter's baby. The next week, Fred Barron called Young to tell him Edwards needed to see him right away. They met furtively in Edwards' car, where Young was surprised to be interrogated about money from Buddy Mellon. Specifically, what did Young know about her payments to support Hunter? It's the kind of question asked by someone afraid of or aware of an investigation. Understandably nervous, Young denied any knowledge. He turned the conversation back to him. He'd quit his $90,000 a year job for Edwards, lied for him, claimed paternity of his child for him. Edwards had promised him a job at a foundation that apparently was not forthcoming. What would Edwards do now to help support him and his family? Edwards offered only a good recommendation. Young told Edwards about the voicemails, emails, and text messages he kept for leverage, and the sex tape. Edwards didn't flinch, saying only, Andrew, you can't hurt me. On August 23rd, Barack Obama announced Joe Biden would be his running mate, marking the end of John Edwards' political aspirations. His affair was over, too, and maybe Edwards felt something like relief. The pressure was off. He could go back to his old life. But his troubles were only beginning. More damning than the National Enquirer photo of Edwards holding his baby was their earlier article alleging payments to Hunter and Young by a wealthy colleague who was closely tied to the Edwards campaign. That unnamed benefactor was Fred Barron. The morning after Edwards' ABC interview, Barron issued a statement to the Raleigh News and Observer. He admitted paying to move both Hunter and the Youngs to Santa Barbara, away from the harassment of tabloid reporters, saying, I decided independently to help two friends and former colleagues rebuild their lives. He also insisted Edwards was unaware of his involvement. But Barron's involvement didn't end there. Back in December of 2007, attorneys for both Hunter and Young had issued seemingly independent and false denials of Edwards' paternity while confirming Young's. But journalists found a connection in public records. Both lawyers had at different times worked with or represented Fred Barron. After initially claiming no knowledge of the lawyer's connection to Hunter and Young, Barron acknowledged that he might have played a role. Newspapers ran with the story, suggesting an effort to conceal the affair by Edwards' inner circle. Federal investigators were less interested in the concealment than in how it was financed. The FBI launched an investigation into possible violations of campaign finance laws. In May of 2009, a federal grand jury convened in Raleigh, North Carolina. The crux of the inquiry was whether John Edwards and Andrew Young had arranged payments from two political donors, Fred Barron and Bunny Mellon, to conceal his affair. Reports of the money in question ranged from $700,000 to as much as $1 million. 
When she heard the sums of money being discussed in the news, Hunter was stunned. She told GQ magazine, My jaw dropped. I never had any idea the kind of money that Andrew received from Bunny Mellon. When I became aware of how much Fred was sending him, I wanted to have nothing to do with Andrew anymore. Young would later testify in court that checks from Mellon were endorsed to his wife Sherry's account and distributed by the Youngs to Hunter. He admitted that some funds were used personally, including for the construction of a new home complete with swimming pool and theater. For her part, Hunter claimed only to know that Barron was paying her rent and other bills, while for a short time, another sum was deposited into her account each month. While well short of a million dollars, these weren't incidental expenses. In addition to her monthly rent, there was $28,000 for a BMW, $8,000 for a spiritual advisor, and trips on private planes during the Christmas holidays of 2007. In the summer of 2009, both Hunter and Young were summoned to testify before a grand jury. At this point, Young was estranged from Edwards and working on a tell-all book, The Politician. Fred Barron had died of cancer in October of 2008, and Bunny Mellon, due to her age and failing health, was not called to appear. On August 6th, Hunter testified about her relationship with Edwards and Young. The investigation lasted more than a year. In March of 2010, Hunter broke her silence with her GQ magazine interview. In October, more than 20 subpoenas were sent to former campaign staffers and associates as the investigation continued. In December, Elizabeth Edwards, now separated from her husband, died of cancer. On June 3, 2011, a federal grand jury indicted John Edwards on six felony counts, including conspiracy, issuing false statements, and violating campaign contribution laws. Hours later, Edwards pleaded not guilty to all the charges, telling reporters, there's no question that I've done wrong, while denying that he broke any laws. If convicted on all counts, Edward faced up to 30 years in prison and a maximum fine of $1.5 million. Even a plea deal would mean the loss of his law license. The trial began on April 23, 2012. Prosecutors accused Edwards of concealing donations from Barron and Mellon by filing false and misleading campaign disclosure reports. His defense argued that the money he received was personal, to protect Edward's wife and family from public humiliation. Wrong, but not illegal. Hunter was not called to testify, but Andrew Young was, and was characterized in court and the press as a spurned lover of Edward's. On Young's first day of testimony, defense attorney Abby Lowell asked him outright if he fell in love with Edward's and then fell out of love with him. Young replied, I did. Yes, sir. Young's testimony was seen as inconsistent and self-serving. When asked why he wrote a tell-all book about the man he once adored, Young replied, It had been almost three years since Mr. Edwards promised me he would tell the truth. We also very much needed the money. After four weeks of testimony, the jury deliberated for nine days before announcing that they were hopelessly deadlocked on five felony counts, while voting for acquittal on a single charge. 
Less than two weeks later, on June 13, 2012, the Justice Department dropped its prosecution of Edwards. Edwards met the press, again insisting he had done nothing illegal, but an awful, awful lot that was wrong. He said he took full responsibility for the affair, adding, If I want to find a person who should be held accountable for my sins, honestly, I don't have to go any further than the mirror. He then largely disappeared from public life. In her 2012 memoir, What Really Happened, Hunter revealed that she and Edwards were still together, declaring, Our combined love, it is not to be underestimated. In 2016, she went even more public in a series of TV interviews. She said her relationship with Edwards had continued until February of 2015, and although they were no longer together, insisted they were still in love and that they remained very, very good friends and great co-parents. Edwards renewed his license to practice law in North Carolina and formed a new firm specializing in personal injury with his former partner, David Kirby. His daughter, Kate, is a partner as well. In May of 2019, Edwards gave his first on-camera interview in six years to WRAL-TV in Raleigh to discuss two high-profile cases his firm was working on. At the end of the interview, the reporter asked if things were pretty good for the fallen politician, to which Edwards replied, with all his famous folksy charm, Oh, for me? Yeah, I'm just lucky right now. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with number 12 on our countdown, the election of 1824, a vote so troubled it came to be known as the corrupt bargain. You can find all episodes of Political Scandals and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Political Scandals on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Political Scandals in the search bar. We'll see you next time. Political Scandals was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Scott Stronek, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Political Scandals was written by Ken Pisani, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rossner. It's the most powerful position in American politics, and arguably the world. But behind the oath to preserve, protect, and defend lie dark secrets posed to leave some legacies in disgrace. Don't forget to check out the new Spotify original from Parcast, Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers. Every Tuesday through the 2020 election, host Ashley Flowers shines a light on the darker side of the American presidency, exposing wildly true stories about history's most high-profile leaders. If you enjoy political scandals, you'll love this new series. Follow Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.